Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Headstock with me, Lane Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today was one of the youngest designers hired by a multinational automotive organization. Today, he is a well-known and well-respected automobile designer and has held a number of leadership and executive positions in the transport business. We conclude the automotive series on Heads Talk today with an individual whose personal journey in the motoring industry is a fascinating one and can effectively be an episode in itself. I can't wait to have my conversation with him today, but before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering and support services to over 200 leading organisations in 32 countries. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Brian Nesbitt was appointed Executive Director of Design, Global Advanced Design in November 2016. In addition, Brian serves as the Executive Director of Global Architectures for GM Design. In this position, he leads multiple studio teams, including the production studio for Bright Drop and Cruise Origin. Previously, Brian served as GM China's design vice president, as well as brand champion for Wuling and Baojun brands. Other notable leadership roles include vice president of design for General Motors International Operations, executive director of North America Exteriors and Global Architecture Strategy, Vice President of North America Design, Vice President of Design for General Motors Europe and General Manager of North America Cadillac. Brian joined GM in 2001 as Chevrolet Director of Design. He received the Young Leadership and Excellence Award from the Automotive Hall of Fame in 2002. Some of the award-winning vehicles designed under his leadership include the 2008 Buick Enclave, 2009 Opel Insignia, the 2015 Cadillac Escalade, GMC Yukon and Chevrolet Tahoe, and the 2021 Bright Drop EV600. His most awarded concepts include 2006 Saab Aero X, 2015 Chevrolet FNR, the 2020 Cruise Origin, and the 2021 Cadillac EV Toll Halo. Let's have a conversation now. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Brian to Headstock. Delighted to have you here today. Well, thank you. Nice to be here, Elaine. Um, Great. You know, I I wasn't short of data about your career and accomplishments. Um, Google your name and there is a plethora of information about the work you've done to date. Um, The challenge I had was how to to keep your introduction as brief as possible. Okay, Um, let's get right into it uh, with my first question. Simply, for my listeners, what is your role within GM? and, And can you tell us about some of the current joint ventures you're working on? 
Yeah, so um, I've got the privilege of managing uh, a, multiple studios in the upfront part of the process. As you can imagine in Noe Lane, the, uh, there's a long uh, development timeline in vehicles. They're very, very complex. And when we uh, take everything into consideration, manufacturing, safety, powertrain, all those developments coming together and integrating into a final complex product, mm -hmm. um, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. And uh, and so we have to uh, look very far ahead as far as the subsystem development, um, the innovations that we think we need to bring to market. Mm -hmm. And we've got to think four, five, six years ahead of time. So if I go ask a customer today what he or she may need or want five or mm -hmm. six years from now, it's very, very difficult for them to answer. So we spend a lot of time using uh, our experience, our intuition, and also collecting a lot of information. We buy trend data. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a lot of affiliates where we collect data from as far as what we call kind of mega trends and maybe some signals that mm -hmm. we think are going to pattern out in the market longer term. Mm -hmm. And then we try to foreshadow internally how we think things are going to migrate. And certainly as we can experience ourselves in our own lives, our, our technology can really change our behavior. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so as we adopt and collect more technology, how does that kind of change the expectations in the purchase, the expectations in the value proposition, and how can we stay ahead of that so that we can, uh, you know, achieve our goals in wanting to be leaders in the automotive space, and at the same time, uh, bring innovation that kind of unlocks real new market opportunities, creates more demand, and uh, and so we have dedicated resources in the upfront process where we work very far in advance, trying to scheme all of those together. We take our corporate mission. We take our portfolio objectives, we look at mega trends, and we kind of cross map all that together, identifying new kind of product opportunities. And then when we look at those opportunities, what might the innovations be required to deliver them or bring them to market? Mm -hmm. And in some of your current joint ventures? So we've got uh, a couple of entities that we work with, of course, uh, Bright Drop, uh, we're very excited about. And uh, that is, uh, you know, basically in the parcel cargo delivery business and, and uh, logistics service networks. And uh, so we've got um, my particular uh, team services, uh, that team as far as developing those products and bringing those products to market. Uh, so we're very excited about that. Um, and there's great, you know, great business there, as you can imagine, as we all witnessed what was catalyzed over the last 24 months in logistics services. Um, so this is a, a, a great, great opportunity. And, uh, and then our, our, our uh, autonomous vehicle development teams uh, with crews. And uh, so uh, we were uh, basically at the core of developing uh, really the entire uh, kind of user case studies to develop the base packaging of a shared mm -hmm. autonomous vehicle, um, what that might mean relative to uh, the requirements to create uh, quick queuing in and out of a shared vehicle in dense areas, yeah. uh, understanding uh, the right systems for, let's say, the door closures, getting in and out of the vehicle, uh, all the user cases of uh, the different types of consumers that would be using that and their particular needs, mm -hmm. and relative to base kind of routes relative to uh, the range of the vehicle. So uh, that's another big piece of uh, business for us that we're very, very excited about. and. Uh, and certainly, as you can imagine, the, uh, the, the promise of autonomy opens up a lot of doors for ideation, 
uh, a lot of teams uh, think about, you know, where else we can go uh, with these EV and AV investments. I, I know it must be extremely exciting times for you guys, <laughs> especially with some of the, the guests I've spoken to. They, they just get extremely excited when they're talking about autonomous vehicles. So I, I'm looking out for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we're going to look at um, the current motor industry's drive for sustainable solutions. But for now, please exclude this from um, your next answer to the following question. Um, I want to know how design technology has changed. Um, what are the benefits of this change in today's world? And perhaps provide examples of what can be done now that couldn't be done previously with such technology. Oh, the, I think the... The changes have been so profound. Um, certainly, if we think about just base propulsion moving to electrification, and you know, we're really at the infancy relative to the industry in this regard. There will be continuous breakthroughs over the decades uh, coming forward uh, in efficiency and performance packaging. But at a base level, um, migrating to electrification does open up a lot of doors relative to customer value and uh, relative to the overall packaging of the vehicle. For instance, things that you might uh, not consider or be used to as like uh, maybe a front, maybe a, a, a lockable storage container in the front of the vehicle where normally there would be an internal combustion engine. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so that's a great customer benefit. I get more storage, I get uh, closed storage or maybe lockable storage, and it's additional storage relative to the same size vehicle. So that's an efficiency in the footprint of the vehicle. Um, if we talk about really the interaction, how things are migrating, um, you know, different types of technology. If I think about just our, just our own preconditioning into using systems like Alexa um, or Siri mm -hmm. and having voice primary systems uh, provide another level of interaction where I can activate, I can interface. Well, that will have to and will eventually, we've seen it before and it'll keep migrating and, and improvement, mm -hmm. uh, but it, that will be a, a, another big opportunity relative to bringing value to the customer. If I think about over this next decade, this more augmentation of driving, the vehicle's gonna take more of that task off of me and my, mm -hmm. my load of having to pay attention is, can continue to reduce. Well, as you can imagine, we, we're multitasking many times today and that demand of multitasking is going to continue to grow as that uh, augmentation takes place in that commuting. Mm -hmm. So what else can happen in that vehicle? What else can happen in that space and take advantage of that commuting time? Because the time is so valuable and it's, be it's so valuable for all of us. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and how can I maximize those opportunities? And what is the technologies that'll do that? So if we think about voice primary where I can have something much more organic to get tasks done while I'm commuting. If I think about uh, systems like eye tracking, where instead of having to pick up something and hit a display or activate a hard button, I can just literally track over, depending on if it's a low fidelity type of interaction or a high fidelity type of interaction, we can really get into a very specific type of uh, choice in the technology we need to optimize that interaction and make it that much more convenient. And, mm -hmm. and we see this in, in behaviors, you know, once people find, let's say, a uh, you know, now we see, we hear this term hack all the time, but once we find people, they find really the shortcut they like and how to activate mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. that becomes the mainstream very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then there's an expectation if it's not there, well, then why isn't it there? And, uh, and I'll have to shop further. So this idea of looking at 
optimizing those ways to interact in the vehicle and maximize as we kind of progress on this journey of more and more augmented driving mm -hmm. and then enabling the consumer to really look at other ways to optimize that time mm -hmm. and maximize and, and kind of enable that kind of multitasking. And, and, the, and the great value of that is you can do it in, in, a, in a safe way. And so that opportunity uh, really is going to continue to open doors. So there's a lot of study in looking at those different types of tech. If I'm, uh, as you can imagine here, you know, eventually we'd be able to have this uh, meeting in the vehicle mm -hmm. and, uh, and that would be a very normal interaction relative to uh, the seating system I'm in, uh, the restraints I'm in, and the interaction, camera facing you, camera facing me, voice, audio, very easy to do with the tech. We just have to do it in a in a configuration that is still safe for the customer. <laughs> Fascinating, um, and you know you've alluded to it at the very beginning um, of answering this question with Evie. But let's now talk about this tectonic shift in the the automotive industry today. Um, some have labelled this a revolution as opposed to an evolution. I I would really like GM's take on this. So it would be great if you could just tell my listeners about General Motors vision and ambition for an electric future. Um, I, um, I mentioned in the introduction the 2021 Bright Drop um, EV600 and, and the, the Cadillac EV Toll Halo concepts and designs that you've been involved in. Can you elaborate on this uh, as well as provide a broader picture of what GM is doing in this space? Absolutely. So I, we do have a, a very specific mission that we call triple uh, zero, which is zero emissions, zero congestion, Mm -hmm. and uh, and zero crash. So this uh, mission that was uh, framed by our leadership team uh, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I'd say, well, maybe five, six years ago, um, really was powerful because it, it goes beyond just uh, typical kind of business metrics, right? Uh, EBIT, share, volume. Um, and moves into what we really want to do is making a difference. And, and I'm so proud of the organization uh, for framing this. It's very actionable for us. And we can see those examples as we move through kind of converting our car park, our own portfolio, mm -hmm. um, and enabling that conversion within the car park. And so if we look at the commercial business with Bright Drop and coming with a, mm -hmm. a fully electric uh, a cargo uh, vehicle, um, in that kind of kind of 500, uh, 600 cubic foot uh, configuration. If we think about um, even uh, the bandwidth of different studies relative to augmentation with uh, uh, driving. So we think about the cruise origin and the autonomous shared experience mm -hmm. and, uh, and the opportunities relative to the conveniences around that and, uh, and also the safety. And then if we think kind of moving beyond um, and we say, okay, well, zero emissions, what are really the enablers to achieve zero emissions? That's a, that's a, that's a lofty goal. Um, and it's really back into the electrification and uh, technology. And so, and what does that, you know, what does that really parlay into and, and how far can that go relative to total logistics? Um, and so we're very interested in uh, framing what we call uh, the Ultium platform that we can then proliferate into a lot of different systems, whether it be commercial use, retail uh, for the customer within our brand uh, mm -hmm. distribution channels, uh, or we can parlay into uh, many different areas if it's uh, different types of transportation, whether it be train uh, uh, or even uh, um, 
uh, airplanes. So if we mm. look at all those kind of logistics networks, uh, our goal is really to uh, proliferate a uh, design and, 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 and bring to market a platform that'll give us that kind of bandwidth. And we think that's a huge part of accomplishing our mission. If we think about congestion, this is, is can be quite complicated. And a lot of a big piece of our study of the uh, Cadillac EV toll was a solution in that. If we really think about the time, and if I can if I can be in the air for a period of time, let's say 15, 20 minutes and point A to point B, well, regardless of if I'm in Shanghai, Manhattan, or San Francisco, I can get pretty far rooftop to rooftop in that straight mm -hmm. line, just like I can in a helicopter. Um, so how efficiently could that be? Again, using the same kind of battery technology, that same type of investment in the AV technology. And is there a solution set there that then, as you can imagine, can really trump really all the uh, uh, challenges relative to like hyper-dense uh, community congestion, if I can just make that jump. So those are the types of ideas that we think uh, are continuing to kind of fulfill uh, this type of uh, mission that uh, we're on. Okay, so it's the triple zero, triple zero emissions, zero congestion, zero crash. I like that. Crashes, yes. I like that. Okay, okay. every organization has got an ambition for 2030 or thereabouts. Um, what is GM's goal and ambition for that particular year? Uh, so we've got a couple of different goals. Um, right now, we're in a very, very aggressive push to convert our portfolio um uh, uh globally to uh electric powertrain and uh so we've got some goals that we've communicated relative to introducing uh 30 30 vehicles globally by 2025 that are pure electric vehicles um and that's all based on you know the elimination of uh tailpipe emissions and um and so uh that tailpipe emissions uh goal we're looking at uh, eliminating total tailpipe emissions relative to our, our, our fleet uh, by 2035. So those are those are big, big uh, goals for us. Uh, certainly, I think 2030 is kind of this symbolic uh, mm. of a uh, date. Uh, you know, many people think, oh, wow, what will the world like be, you know, be like in 2030? And certainly for us in our portfolio planning and development, we're looking at, okay, well, what technologies and what enablers are gonna come online uh, over this next decade. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about that is as we continue to improve and make breakthroughs in performance uh, of the battery tech, uh, performance in the total powertrain system, and performance basically in the AV tech, um, then all those optimizations will come at a value to the customer because eventually it'll be more and more uh, affordable and more and more adoptable. Mm -hmm. um, more and more achievable for the customer to participate in. And so our goal is really to do that as aggressively as possible to bring that value proposition to the customer. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad you talked about the value brought to the customer. Let's continue talking in that space. Let's talk about educating, encouraging, and enlightening <laughs> consumers and, and customers. Uh, apart from the, the obvious um, advertising, what are you doing, if at all anything? to engage and, and galvanize consumers to embrace this shift and to embrace it through General Motors. Absolutely, so that's a big, big piece of kind of unlocking the ability to really convert uh, the car park and meet our mission. Um, if we think about uh, uh, the charging networks uh, that have to be established around the world to enable it, uh, you know, we've got a very, very uh, dense, uh, you know, kind of 
liquid petrol kind of uh, infrastructure in place mm -hmm. around the world. And, uh, and the customer's very, very conditioned to it. They're conditioned to that convenience, they're conditioned to uh, that routine you know, within their transportation uh, needs. And, uh, and so as we kind of look at that conversion, we have to think very, very cleverly and smartly uh, working globally, not just on the policy side, but, and not just on the breakthrough of let's say the affordability of batteries even, mm -hmm. but also really just the ubiquitous need to charge is, uh, needs to be enabled. And, uh, and so that's, that uh, you know, speed of charge is important and that technology will keep coming as far as those improvements and those uh, breakthroughs relative to how long it takes to, to get that energy back into that battery and then I can mm -hmm. take it with me. Um, but that infrastructure is critical and, uh, and uh, the way we kind of mate with the infrastructure is gonna be critical because that convenience is very, very important as far as as soon as I'm in that vehicle, I need to know uh, how much range I have, how far I can go. Once I get to that destination, how much I have left, where are my opportunities relative to in between. Yeah. And, uh, and all of that needs to be, you know, for the customer, uh, uh, not only an, an education, but basically it should be just uh, um, very integrated and synced up with basically uh, their ecosystem of how they're really managing their daily calendar and their week. And so if we think about, um, you know, I would say, for instance, in the U.S., there's a little bit of a mindset of ah, a gas tank. I need to be able to fill it up once a week. And they don't really think about the size of the vehicle as much. They don't really think about uh, the total range of that vehicle. They think it more in the context of the inconvenience of having to fill it. Um, well, a lot of that can be overcome if I can charge that at home or I can have opportunities to charge that at work or that particular municipality is offering different types of charging opportunities. And those things will start changing the behavior, they'll change the expectation, and that'll really kind of unlock the opportunity because the convenience has to be there for the customer. Mm -hmm. So you would agree that um, the biggest concern is range anxiety? I think uh, in, in the, um, you know, there's a lot of data that suggests that there's um, some basic thresholds relative to kind of what I would expect in my daily routine versus what then becomes uh, something that creates a little bit of anxiety and, and being able to complete that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so certainly that's real. Um, and, and as the tech develops, um, you know, that range will continue to increase, right? That performance mm -hmm. can increase over time as those breakthroughs come through. So uh, that will continue to be on that journey of improvement. But certainly um, as, a, as let's say an early adopter or initial conversion into electric today, that's the first thing on your mind for sure. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, let's move on to a, 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 fun, a fun question. Um, well, well, I hope it is. Um, <laughs> can you sell a GM EV to my listeners with a presented scenario? I'm going to give you a scenario. Okay. Yeah, let, me, let, me, let me start with this. Okay. Um, a family of four, for instance, um, two adults, two children, both under seven, let's say. They live in a small village in a mountainous terrain with a large uh, Doberman as a pet um, that likes to go hiking with them every nice. weekend. Okay, you, you, you're getting the picture of the lovely family, aren't you? Right, okay. <laughs> what is the best GM vehicle for them to purchase and why? Well, I think uh, we've got uh, a choice there. We, you know, we've been revealing uh, uh, what we call the uh, GMC Hummer EV. And this vehicle has tremendous off-road capability. Um, 
and all with the, the great package of zero emissions because it's battery electric. Yep. And, uh, and so this vehicle has a good size. So I think a, a pet like a Doberman, which uh, they need a pretty, pretty decent uh, amount of footprint themselves mm -hmm. uh, for comfort. Plus if I've got a family of four, uh, this vehicle would probably be the most ideal relative to, let's say, the types of range and duty cycle relative to off-road. I've got to drive through the mountains. Mm -hmm. um, and this comes in two different body styles. We've shown a pickup and a, uh, and a uh, 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 utility version of this uh, vehicle. And so I think that might be maybe one of the best choices. Um, it's got uh, a lot of room in the back for that dog and, and the rest of the family's gear. And, uh, and would be, of course, uh, wonderfully silent as it rode through the yes. beauty of those mountains, which is, I think, one of the greatest, neatest, neatest features. Okay. Um, let's end this episode with a question about um, China. Um, they are dominating battery production today. Um, I've had a few episodes where the leaders that I've spoken with are, are very clear on China's leadership in this space. So my question to you is, what is the U.S. doing or should be doing to remain a big player in this particular game? Well, uh, for our space, uh, certainly we've got a, um, a very successful joint venture uh, mm -hmm. uh, within uh, uh, to serve the China market. And uh, so we co-develop product um, and services with them. Um, they manage uh, that distribution. Uh, we've got uh, assembly plants, of course, in those markets, in that market as well. Um, and as you know, it's, uh, that market has tremendous upside. It's tremendous growth, um, and uh, both in the, in the Lux and non-Lux space. Um, certainly, uh, it, you know, we aren't the only ones that want to uh, tap in and capitalize on that demand as it continues to grow. Um, but they do have some very aggressive targets relative to their own uh, what they call NEBs or their new energy vehicle mm -hmm. uh, initiatives. Um, and so they've put, as, as many countries do, they put certain policies in place to make sure that those uh, types of targets are being met and brought to market by whoever's selling. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly for us, uh, we collaborate on that within that market and, and with our partner. Um, and, you know, the value of that partner is that they're on the ground there, they know the market, they're the experts on the go-to-market strategies, and working with uh, those, you know, local policies to make sure that there's a good uh, balance so that there is a good value proposition, because in the end, China wants to get that, uh, those new energy vehicles to the consumers, and they want to get them there uh, very, very quickly. And uh, so the ability to uh, meet those market demands uh, that uh, those policies are driving um, is it takes a lot of collaboration and uh, and we feel we've got a, a very good JV to help us accomplish that. Okay, that's good. You know, you've been in the business for decades. Is this the most exciting time for you now? <laughs> I would say uh, it is. It, um, I used to say, you know, all the great vehicles were designed in the 60s and <laughs> And um, and those are all really all my favorites uh, yeah. growing up uh, were done in that in that period of time, um, and uh, and today uh, I think we've hit a new threshold relative to the technology. Mm. Um, it used to be we would try to simulate tech and try to simulate what what the future might be, um, but even the simulation was so poor, and we didn't really know um, how far it could go. We had some imagination, but. The technology is moving at such a fast pace within our own lives, within our, uh, mm. you know, our own ecosystems relative to our tech, 
Um, and, and the doors keep opening up every day as far as what the possibilities are. And, uh, and I think that's, it, it's becoming extremely exciting uh, where we're moving beyond just, I'd say, you know, for the last couple of decades, the car really, you know, the vehicle hasn't really changed too much. You know, we don't change. It's the same passengers inside and, and uh, cargo and the demand for cargo and then, uh, uh, and then the powertrains. Certainly there's been efficiency and there continues to be efficiency in all those spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it's the same invention. And I think what's so exciting is that uh, the, the, the investments in EV and AV should, they really seem to open the door to where we can think that we'll really be transcending a lot of those solution sets we've seen today. And I think it'll open the door to a lot of new things that'll be a, a tremendous value for us uh, moving forward. I I think some of the developments that you've talked about sound borderline sci-fi. Yes, Yes. and I can tell you, that's right. (laughs) Yes, and growing up, sci-fi was always my favorite genre. And uh, there was was always, you know, as a designer, you're just constantly in this rush to the future. Um, And uh, it's this perennial pull that you have. And and so, um, so, yeah, I, I find this, the pace today, yeah. Um, the opportunities today and and the innovation that's coming today yeah. uh, is enabling so much that it, it just yeah, I think it is for for me it is it's probably definitely the most exciting time. I, I think so, especially with the, the advent of autonomous vehicles. Definitely. Yes. So. Okay, Brian Nesbitt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Many thanks for your time and insights. Well, thank you so much for having me, Elaine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.